Geopolitics and Empire is joined by author, researcher, publisher, and musician from Sweden, Jacob Nordengard. He's chairman of the Faros Foundation, runs the independent publishing house Faros Media Productions. He's been giving outstanding talks on the global elite and has written excellent books on the same subject, some of which are available or will be soon available in English. He's also band leader of the doom metal band, Wardenglyph. Welcome to Geopolitics and Empire, Jacob. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah, you, you got, you're doing uh, a lot of uh, fascinating work. And maybe just, uh, you know, I, I first came across your work thanks to your interview with Ivor Cummings recently and yeah. your, your mm -hmm. recent talk at an event uh, in Europe just a few weeks ago that I watched uh, online. Uh, when and how did you sort of start researching the elite? Um, yeah, well, I, I think it's something that you you have in you. Uh, I've, I've always been a skeptical mind and, and always thought about uh, the elites in some way and how they uh, influence and manip manipulate uh, uh, politics. But uh, when I really started to dig into it, it was uh, during my university studies and uh, in uh, the late 90s. And... Uh, the first thing I, I did was to to more or less. Uh, it was not the global elite at that time. Uh, I, I did a, a, a student uh, thesis about uh, city planning, and in that uh, paper, it, it was about my hometown, North Shopping, and uh, I was studying uh, the power dynamics. Who uh, is the ones who get to decide on how the city is planned and the architectural design and everything? And uh, what I found out was that, okay, it's not the people. <laughs> it's, it's not those who, who, who live in these uh, uh, places. Uh, it's other. Uh, and it wasn't the, the city council. No, it was other people, influential people uh, that had the money. And uh, uh, in Orshipping, we have this uh, uh, real estate magnet that uh, is one is, is now one of the richest in, in, in Sweden. And uh, <clears throat> that was the start of it, just to see that, okay, uh, those who have power, um, it's not, uh, it's not uh, those you see in in uh, politics it's people behind the politics it's people that influence that way so after this uh, i got into uh, working in real estate uh, and uh, development of, of uh, new uh, houses and so on and i saw another side of it, this with uh, how, how this People can be very ruthless in, uh, I mean, it's like the mafia in some way. <clears throat> and uh, during that time, I, I got so fed up with that uh, and, and how this business worked. So I started at the university again. And at that time, I uh, became interested in, in energy and uh, how um, more or less it was about oil and uh, 
the business of oil and how um, uh, the importance of oil for for the economy and everything and uh, that got me into um, the more global level of uh, these uh, very rich influential people uh, because i mean energy is everything <clears throat> so so this took me into um, uh, investigating uh, what was behind uh, the energy markets and uh, how uh, how energy works and uh, I wrote a couple of uh, student papers about this and uh, and especially about um, uh, how can we get the alternatives to work instead of oil and or fossil fuels and uh, it was my conclusion that that wasn't really possible. Uh, <clears throat> and at the same time, they were uh, starting to, uh, it was a lot of uh, talking about the climate issue at that time. It, this, this was like in 2000, uh, 2005, six, And we had Al Gore, you know, yeah, uh, coming yeah, yeah. out and talking about uh, an inconvenient truth. Yeah, Al Gore actually so, visited uh, the campus where I taught here in Mexico. I think it was like 2012, 13 or yeah. 14. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, they had to pay him $200,000 to talk. And uh, the, the, the <laughs> yeah, questions had to be scripted. No off-the-cuff uh, questions yeah. or, or remarks. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I, I just wanted to add what you said previously. I, I've seen the same thing you're talking about in Sweden. I've seen mm -hmm. it in, my, my, in Croatia. Uh, we've got basically a mafia state, uh, domestic and foreign uh, oligarchy. Um, you see it uh, everywhere. And, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but even here where, where I live in Mexico, I found um, we're receiving Rockefeller Foundation financing to build out a smart city. It's in the official government, Mexican yeah. government <laughs> pa papers. But uh, before we get to that, let me just ask you, since you brought up energy and oil, yeah. I've I've had this burning question, and I don't know. I'm on the fence. I believe that oil is abiotic. Um, I kind of question yeah. peak oil. What are your thoughts on whether they're lying to us uh, or exaggerating? Uh, you know how much oil or energy we have. Yeah, yeah I mean that, that was the, the thing for me because I uh, I, I start, when I started to investigate these things with uh, with oil and energy, I was very into the peak oil theory. Uh, because I, I thought that explains things. I, I thought it explained why uh, the United States wanted to to make war in uh, Iraq and uh, and Afghanistan and everything. So they wanted to control this because it was. Uh, I, I had read this uh, Michael Rappert's book, uh, Crossing the Rubicon, for example. Uh, and I know uh, uh, William Engendahl was into this peak oil theory at that time. So uh, so it kind of. Uh, uh, kicked uh, my, uh, yeah. I, I began very interested. So, so I just wanted to know uh, what was behind it. So uh, for a couple of years, I, I, I investigated everything about uh, oil and uh, peak oil. And uh, after a while, uh, I started to, I mean, at first it was very convincing with this, okay, uh, peak oil theory. Uh, but after a while, I started to to uh, study these other theories, and uh, of course, the abiotic theory. And uh, uh, it was an oil geologist called uh, Kenny, I think, 
and uh, Thomas Gold and uh, a couple of uh, Ukrainian Russian um, uh, scientists <clears throat> that, that spoke about this and and also when uh, I, I started to to uh, uh, get critical about this was when Club of Rome stepped in and and all these uh, and I found out all about Club of Rome. I, I first believed these, these things uh, because I was an environmentalist and I heard all these things. So uh, the old men were the bad guys. So yeah, uh, so <laughs> I knew about the mafia, but I, I didn't know how just how smart these people were. Uh, so so when uh, Club of Rome um, uh, stepped in, uh, I, I, I uh, saw that they, they were uh, uh, into these conferences in uh, the early 2000s. And, um, and also other people, I call, call it's called Simmons, wrote a book about Twilight in the Desert. And they had these doomsday scenarios about uh, the oil of Saudi Arabia that will run out, and uh, very quickly it will uh, would just take a couple of years. And I was scared at that time. I thought it was oh shit, this uh, this gonna be, uh, which will be bad, <laughs> you know. And uh, but as time went by, this thing it didn't happen. Uh, none of these uh, scenarios came true. So, w w so would you would you say then it's basically because they, they've used in the past, um, you know, everything from international terrorism, which they themselves yeah. finance. Uh, they're just trying to scare us into submitting um, to to their global domination schemes. Yeah. Would you say that we have? Or, I mean, I've talked to, I've had guests on petroleum geologists who say, you know, we still, well, we've still got hundreds and hundreds of years of coal and and um, all sorts of other uh, energy. Would you say that we have oil for well into the future? Yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, I really do now <laughs> because I mean, it's it's almost like the the, the climate issue uh, and. Uh, and how uh, the theory about humans, the influence of climate and everything. And it's so hard. To, there's no proof. And it's very hard to measure these things. How do you know how much oil there, there is? How much? How do you know how much coal there is? It's very, very hard to, to, do, uh, to, to have these calculations. And, and, and these people were so uh, mm, uh, sure about themselves all the time. But but it's there's no proof. It's, it's, uh, there's it's no like, science behind it. It's like trying to count the the grains of sand um, on the planet, and uh, you know there's a quote uh, from the Bible about that. How you know mm. it's it's impossible. So it's just like you say, uh, how are they going to know how much oil uh, or coal and and such? I mean, they can make certain estimates, but you mentioned Club of Rome. Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't want to ask. Maybe we don't have to go into detail because again, I'll include your links to your. Uh, uh, lectures where you go into more detail. Uh, you you are citing a lot of great books. Uh, I've had to pause your lectures and then take note of the books and and get get some of those books uh, 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 myself. But um, I sort of want to get your big picture view as to who some of these people are. You've mentioned many familiar names in your talk talks, like H. G. Wells, 
you know, Huxley, yeah. Rockefeller, so forth. Over the weekend, I was hanging out with Dr. Rima uh, Libo, uh, who was famous in that uh, Jesse Ventura, Alex Jones uh, episode from 2009, where she predicted basically the pandemic uh, takeover. Mm-hmm. You know, she contends that, you know, the Rockefellers are one of the principal movers and shakers. You've got your book called Rockefellers Controlling the Game. But, you know, j- just briefly, who would you say are more or less, you know, make up the core group? Uh, of these globalists or one worldists well it's a billionaires club that's for sure and uh and they have uh, the foundations and and uh i mean i i started with this i mean when you have to to follow this to to the source and uh we have certain key people that uh, were involved in the beginning, the, the super rich uh, in the early uh, 20th century or the, the late um, 19th century were, uh, of, of course, very influential in, in building up this. And uh, we have a Carnegie uh, Corporation and, uh, of course, the Rockefeller Foundation and later the Ford Foundation. And... Uh, and then, uh, and they were uh, kind of uh, doing the big parts in the in the twentieth century. I mean, Rockefellers with uh, the health and and also environment and and Ford Foundation uh, very very influentially in setting up uh, uh, social agendas and <clears throat> and Carnegie as well. And then we have uh, these new actors stepping in. I mean, and we had a lot of other people involved in the oil business that set, set up uh, of, um, new foundations uh, from the from the middle of uh, the twentieth century. And when we have the new generation, was the the tech uh, billionaires, Bill, Bill Gates, of course, most known. But we have, I mean, Skoll Foundation, <coughs> and. Uh, and and now we have uh, Bezos, of course, and I mean it, it, it's so many of these people that are that are uh, part of a a little tight club, I'd say, and and it's uh, one one thing that I um, learned about writing this uh, Rockefeller book. It was how uh, uh, they used this uh, idea of a foundation. I mean, and that was the Carnegie uh, Rockefeller method. Methodology to 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 influence policy and and also uh, don't have to pay the taxes or or more or less I would say it's it's a it's a way that uh, you you tell them you you, you uh, take money it's it's your way to to uh, 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 not give not that the government. Uh, tells you what to do with your money, but but you can be like the government, and and instead of giving tax to them, you take you take this money and and influence policy in, uh, instead of this. It's and and earning money on it, of course, because <laughs> that's uh, it's so many uh, things that we achieve with this um, methodology. But, and speaking, I mean, speaking to what yeah. that was my next question, what what they want to achieve. By the way, I've got, I think, up behind me, the foundations, their power um, and influence. That's a classic book talking about uh, what what you're saying. Yeah. And 
um yeah you know, of course as you say now it's pretty pretty big i mean it's a small big club you've got also world economic forum and all that stuff but yeah of course um, i mean i mean that's 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 a hub hub for these people that has become very um i mean in people's view as before uh, they could they were more in the, um, the shadows one can say i mean people know about these foundations but they i don't think they really knew what they were doing um the, many thing uh, thought that uh, okay they they give to charity they uh, they build museums they do these good things but <clears throat> but now we, we have taken all their power and put it, put it in in uh, a world economic forum for everyone to see and and their mask yeah. is coming off and i think you know as they achieve global domination they have to do it openly and so that's where they're going now and that was sort of my next question you know i recently came across uh, an actual clip of hg wells uh from the associated press from a century ago yeah. where he states quote the collective affairs of mankind will be controlled by one single federal government which will have continuously increasing powers i believe it as surely as i believe spring will come again next year uh end quote yeah. I i've had on this uh, on the podcast a couple years back uh, I guess someone who's not quite on our side, but I like to talk to people. Uh, I sometimes like to, I, if I can manage to talk to globalists, I, I do. And, uh, uh, someone who's in the movement pushing for world federation and, and, and world government. And, you know, they, they really believe this stuff. They're trying to reform the UN, uh, or create like a UN parliamentary assembly. But, yeah. um, basically my focus in all of this has been, their focus on global domination ergo world government or global government i find that to be like the number one thing that they're going for and all these other activities are toward achieving that end uh you know would you agree what would you say are some of their principal goals yes that's all the way it's been i mean it's just look to me and ngls were so uh uh he was early and uh, spot on uh he said it and he was a science fiction writer, and and, uh, and uh, he said it in in his uh, uh, fiction work, but also in his more political uh, books. And uh, and that was one one thing that I, when I started to dig into this, I, I, I found it directly. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't uh, something that was hidden. Uh, it it was uh, very obvious uh, that they fought this. And I remember writing a, a, a paper in uh, the university about how the climate issue evolved. Uh, this was in 2009. And it was the, the, the first things that we said was we have to have a world government to, to manage this uh, uh, with the, the climate because it's a, a problem that spans all over the globe. <laughs> so, uh, and, but the problem was uh, even if they write this, they say this openly. Uh, if you state this, I mean, I put it in a paper with the quotes and everything. It is, I mean, it's published in, in uh, at the university. Uh, people tend to think that oh, it must be a conspiracy theory, uh, even though <laughs> they state this openly. And it's the same now. I mean, uh, if you, uh, my last book is about um, the United Nations have a new uh, agenda, uh, our common agenda. Um, a report that uh, they put out into uh, 2021. And I mean, this is very obvious that they wanted to create 
um, and uh, and it, and and they uh, in the the run up to to this report, uh, a lot of people that has been involved with. Uh, creating the idea of creating a world parliament uh, and also uh, want more uh, executive powers for for United Nations. They are involved in this. They are very very involved in it, and uh, uh, they want to 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 achieve something uh, to twenty twenty four when we have will have this uh, big meeting in the United Nations uh, summit of the future. It's funny. I, I you mentioned two thousand nine. That was the same year I was doing my graduate studies in in Switzerland. I came across the same issues. You know, some of the uh, the pro- the professors, folks at the university, were openly globalists. I mean, they were openly mm-hmm. quoting to me H.G. Wells, and I had the same issue. Uh, some of some of us, myself and classmates, were calling out the new world order and world government again, academically, factually, and we they even had us sit down for a meeting the university and say listen you guys are you're going off the reservation with this conspiracy talk and then you know a minute later they're like there's no world government there's no new world order then a minute later the you know university folks are like i mean there's a world government but it's good it's good so it's like if you criticize it it doesn't exist you're bad you're crazy but if, mm-hmm. if if you want, if you're on board, then yeah, it's 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 happening. Fantastic. It's awesome. It's it's so it's 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 crazy. These games they play. And let me ask you about the EU because I've forever seen the EU as their you know Dr. Roth in Germany talks about the uh, Nazi roots of of this Brussels mm-hmm. EU project. Soviet dissidents call it the New European Soviet. For me, it's a totalitarian construct, the EU. Uh, but I also see it as the blueprint for. Uh, a technocratic government yeah world government technocratic and now we see here in north america mexican president is saying we want he said last year we want to copy the eu and integrate canada usa and mexico in south america former presidents are saying we want to copy the eu and create a south american uh union there's already african american african american union Mm -hmm. i've been saying this for 20 years because just like you say you read their papers this is this is their plan and you know um further thoughts on the regional unions and the roles uh they play well, one one thing uh, is that uh, Jacques, Jacques Delors, um, that was the, the head of the European Commission in the late eighties, and uh, more or less the father of the European Union, mm, uh, I, he said that uh, Europe is the laboratory laboratory for world government. And he said this in a speech uh, at the Royal Institute of International Affairs in London, the Chatham House. And uh, the speech is called <laughs> the New World Order or something like that. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I mean, these things uh, has been talked about for a very, very long time, of course. I mean, uh, this, uh, this thing with the uh, North American Union and uh, South American Union and... and uh, uh, and they had had some. Uh, they have, I've tried out some things in South America, you know. Uh, but um, and I mean, this, this is a part of a, the big structure. I mean, that's how uh, they they will run things, uh, and uh, that's another part of uh, our common agenda. That uh, <clears throat> Guterres, the, the Secretary General, uh, he he wants to to give more. 
these regional organizations will have a, a bigger part in the United Nations. So, so it's, it's more like we, um, they don't really like all these member states. So it's better to have these uh, big structures. Uh, it's easier, easier to govern uh, that way. So, so they will have, um, be more uh, involved in in uh, the work of the United Nations, and and that's one thing that I have seen with um, uh, European Union from the beginning. They were uh, very tightly connected to to uh, the United Nations and and uh, what the United Nations were doing, their programs, especially environment and so on. Uh, always on board, and uh, also. I mean, and one thing I remember when uh, and uh, Sweden wasn't a part of the European Union until 1995, so it was a big public discussion, and uh, we have a referendum and everything. <clears throat> uh, but at that time, the politicians that uh, wanted us to to join—I mean, they don't didn't speak about uh, this uh, federal idea as it was. I mean. Uh, it's a good thing for you. You can you can go to uh, to Germany and you can bring more beer and and the goose, <laughs> and and that's uh, that's how they uh, uh, convinced people about it, and uh, never telling people uh, what it was really about. And and uh, I mean that's uh, we have seen that now and how how much. Um, uh, our policy is decided in Brussels. I mean, it's uh, it just goes to to uh, to our government, and they uh, put a stamp on it. Okay, approved <laughs> decision in in uh, in our parliament, and uh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, it's, and it's, then I mean, I mean, I've studied uh, European Union as well. I, I did my uh, doctoral thesis about European Union. Um, Biofuel policy, and I saw uh, how rotten it was, and and how uh, it it was just a playhouse for these big lobby organizations that uh, run things behind the scenes, and uh, and these politicians that we uh, vote in, they they don't have much to to say about it. Um, they more or less have to to go along. They, they just enjoy the ride. Agenda. Yeah, for for six months uh, for, in two thousand nine uh, in Switzerland, I was a staff assistant um, at the EU and UN, yeah. and all of these functionaries. You know, I was with the Czech Republic's mission to the UN, and they were chairing the EU for those six months. And all those functionaries, you know, folks from Czech uh, Republic, and they, they get great jobs, great benefits, food everything they don't care that they're, they're having a great grand old time and they'll just sign whatever headquarters tells them to do they don't think about any of these things and they just push forward whatever you know the elites uh tell them and it, just like you i was thoroughly disgusted at the eu and un <laughs> I, had, I wanted to have nothing nothing to do with it so i ran away as far as i could from from uh switzerland and the igos and, and let me ask you about the the technocratic aspect so you've got a book uh, yeah. coming coming out soon um in english digital world brain and i i frequently call this the algorithm ghetto or algorithm gulag i had on the jewish historian edwin black who coined the term 
algorithm ghetto because he compares it to the physical Jewish ghettos because that's what they're going to be doing to us. They're going to put us in this um, digital algorithm ghetto, shut everything off. You can't buy or sell. Uh, and so um, we've got things like geolocation uh, and mandatory digital passports where they can control our movements, cashless system where they can shut off our ability to eat mm. and live. Yeah. They've They've tested this out. In 2020, 2021, um, even here in New Mexico, everywhere, they've ma- mandating, you know, eugenics injections, proposing concentration yeah. camps, right, for uh, dissidents or the infected, actively working toward removing private vehicle ownership, and even, uh, you know, talking about no, no longer allowing air travel for us. And so what are your thoughts on some of these technocratic dystopian aspects of what they want to do? <clears throat> yeah, first of all, <laughs> when you said uh, algorithm. Uh, I uh, I call it the Al Gore rhythm. It's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> I mean, uh, all, all this uh, the, the climate uh, thing that is all behind it, and and, and Gore. Uh, I mean, he's a board member of Apple. <laughs> so I mean, it's so insane. It's so insane, and I, I think that is. But it's why so many people don't want to really. They they don't want to, to 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 uh, really grasp it because it's so scary. I mean, this is totalitarian, but you know, in a whole new level. Uh, I mean, if they push this through, uh, this is a. Uh, this is a, such a nightmare uh, society. And that, that is one of the things. I mean, my new book, The Digital World Brain, that's what it's all about. And I <clears throat> I went through this, our common agenda report, and uh, we have these 12 commitments in this report about uh, how to achieve Agenda 2030. And it's so technocratic. I mean, we talk a lot about how uh, uh, they will involve people. We will be inclusive. Uh, women and people from uh, uh, poor nations and disabled people. And we talk about all these groups that they uh, say, we will listen to them. <laughs> But if but if you go into what they really say is uh, okay, uh, we listen to people if they say the things we want them to say. If they want other things, we have to to have um, uh, use um, behavioral design <laughs> to to influence them to so they do the right decisions for themselves. Because they, they they don't know the best for themselves, and especially if they they don't want the jab, or they don't believe in um, climate doomsday, uh, when there is wrong, no, something wrong with them, uh, and and all this uh, this agenda is all about data. It's all about data, and uh, we talk about. Um, a global uh, digital compact, or uh, I mean, it's the digital sphere as a uh, global commons. 
because they have, that's how we sell sell invis. Uh, so we have um, we have these commons with uh, atmosphere and uh, oceans and uh, space and uh, on the Antarctica, <clears throat> but uh, also the cybersphere, and uh, so we we will want to make everyone a part of this. Uh, uh, digital world and with digital IDs. And uh, then we say we have to manage this commons and that's a uh, thing for the United Nations and the United Nations need to be upgraded. So that's when you get this uh, world brain and this world government to, to govern us all and uh, create this dystopian uh, society. And uh, I mean, it's... Uh, <coughs> Yeah, it's scary, is, to say the least. Is the vision, yeah. I mean, is the vision to have it, I mean, I, I, I'm answering my own question, but it's just, you know, hard, hard to fathom this. They want to make it uniform in all countries. I mean, it's like we saw that with the pandemic. I was living in Kazakhstan. Yeah. I fled through, you know, back to Mexico. And the same stuff we saw everywhere, lockdown, digital passports. Mm. Um, so, uh Base, I mean, basically, it's going to be universally on on the planet. This system, yeah, in every single country. Yes, and they talk about one thing, and that is creating an emergency platform. And that's the scary thing. This emergency platform is supposed to um, before an emergency, because they they identify crisis or global shocks uh, that uh, could happen in this world. And that's why we have to have this emergency platform. And the emergency platform will be consist of uh, United Nations agencies. We have uh, like the European Union. We have big corporations, civil society organizations, and... Uh, a lot of other actors and <clears throat> they will beforehand decide upon protocols that they will follow in unison when an emergency is declared so no one can say oh uh, we can't do this this is wrong so Everyone will have agreed beforehand when the emergency hits. And they have a lot of emergencies. And, and, and that's one of the uh, aspects of uh, the WHO, uh, new health re regulation and, and what they are uh, working on now. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a part of this. And, and a lot of people, they just talk about WHO. It's so much more than this. It's, uh, it's every aspect of, uh, of uh, uh, what we humans are and all the, the processes of the world that they want to control. <laughs> it's, and it's just, just hubris. It's just uh, insane. It's, I mean, it's like a Bond movie, <laughs> really. It's yeah. yeah, we're living in a Bond movie, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and just to add to that, like you said, they'll they can invent an emergency. I mean, there's really no really 
emergencies. And so they're just inventing stuff. And yeah. you know, just these days uh, here in Mexico, where I am, there's a huge forest uh, in the city and it, it has been really bad. It's been so bad. It's been burning. There's been no rain for a long time. It's kind of odd because I've been here for a decade and I've never smelt the smoke this bad where they're canceling class, um, canceling classes and you got to shut your windows. And I'm wondering, and they're already in the newspapers. They're talking about changing the paradigm of, you know, not, not having a car anymore here in the local Mexican papers. They're, they're talking about like, you know, don't, don't have a car. And I'm pretty sure, you know, maybe they've got someone starting the fire as the pretext, you know, false flag to roll out these climate lockdowns where they're going to say, Oh, you can't go to work this day or every other day, this sort of stuff. Uh, and, and, and let me ask you about, um, have you come across any studying these people, this stuff, anything esoteric or uh, occult? Because when I was in Geneva, um, I discovered the Lutz's Trust, right? This NGO, yeah. Lucifer Publishing, founded in 1922 by Alice Bailey, theosophist who bases her work on Helena Blavatsky. Uh, basically, for, if you ask me, it's, it's, it's Satanists, because they believe in their own, you go to their website, they believe Lucifer is the Messiah. Prometheus, and they're actually preparing for Lucifer's return. It's in their own website. And I went to one of their meetings because they've got an office in New York, yeah. L- London, and Geneva. Yeah. And I went I went to the Lutzes uh, Trust's meeting. The offices just happens to be right across from the UN in Geneva, and they are an official NGO uh, member of ECOSOC UN. Uh, just a- any thoughts that's interesting for you when it comes to any uh, occult aspect to, to all of this? Yes, of course. I mean, I have digged into this, uh, so so I um, I have read uh, I've read uh, Bailey, I have Blavatsky's books as well. Uh, they are not that easy to read, <laughs> and that's not Bailey either. I mean, I mean, it's ba- it's not Bailey. It's Jval Cool, <laughs> and and actually, I have I have another project. It's my music project. Uh, uh, it's called Temple of Solomon, but I. Go into to uh, this more occult background, uh, but uh, that will be a book as well about uh, where does uh, these uh, things come from, where, where does it originate? And we know that uh, if you le- read uh, Bailey and uh, externalization of Haruki, for example, uh, she talks a lot about interdependence and the creation of a world government. I mean, that, that's uh, and they are very supportive of the uh, United Nations work. It's just to to go into to the website and read this. So, so and and we also have this meditation room in the United Nations. A lot of uh, people that has been uh, very involved in in these more esoteric and occult traditions uh, has been uh, involved in in United Nations. So, so I think it's a uh, it's a big part of this agenda. Uh, 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 and I mean. And the idea, the idea that they have uh, is, I mean, it's satanic. In uh, in more than just thinking about this uh, Satan guy, <laughs> it's more, it's more the idea, it's more the philosophy to to uh, uh, that man can be like God, and that man can um, supposed to copy. And and uh, renew everything, build it, uh, build it up, and and but we can build a replica of uh, of a human or uh, a replica of 
I mean, we're talking about building this digital earth and, and everything, and we're doing everything artificial. I mean, so, 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 and, and it all comes from alchemy, uh, transforming us, all these ideas and, uh, the idea of perfect the human and be a better uh, human and, uh, with the help of, uh, science and, and technology. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's, uh, uh, we say it's a huge part of this. Yeah. And I, I subscribe yeah. to their, I subscribe to their newsletters and it's funny, like recently they say stuff, you know, when we had the last Davos meeting, Lucis Trust sends in their newsletters, you know, they send these bulletins, they've got meetings and they say, we're sending, uh, you know, send meditations and prayers and seeds of love to Klaus Schwab, uh, to hope hope that the this meeting of World Economic Forum yeah. will be successful in the UN and the World Economic Forum and all this stuff and so it's just it's it's a uh, uh, amusing and l- let me ask you about Russia and you know just uh, your thought on geopolitics because where do Russia you know Ukraine US China conflict factor in because there's some people thinking the multipolar world's going to save us and I'm like no, I think no. I think that is actually the road to global governance and world federation is multipolarity. I've heard some uh, great thinkers saying mm. uni- multipolarity is unipolarity. Um, you know, Brazil multipolarity. They 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 just banned Telegram. How multipolar is that? Uh, you know, Lula Lula has been going around. We're going to cut your social welf- welfare if you don't take fifty COVID vaccinations. He literally he literally said that. And so we see Russia implementing in China. Uh, all this technocratic yeah, stuff. Do. And so w- w- what's your take on this whole BRICS plus multi- multipolar world is going to save us and Putin and Xi Jinping? Well, it's just, you only have to read the documentation. I mean, these, all these countries are, are part of G20. And they are part of the United Nations. So they, they are uh, in this planning process. And if you uh, go into uh, G20, uh, and we, they have a lot of meetings all year. Now it's in India. And uh, they, they are planning for this new world. And that's what everything is about. And this war is just a step on the way. It's the destruction of the old to bring in the new. And all these actors, they say, we need a, a multi uh, multipolar order multilateralism and that's what the united nations our common agenda is all about and even uh if you have read um uh spin brzezinski and the grand chessboard uh what he's what he's writing in in that book in the end uh, is that uh, united states will be the last truly superpower but this it will end it could take one generation and it's just i mean he wrote this in the light, uh, late 90s so so now uh, it has passed two decades and um, so we saw it was an end of something and something new would, would come out of this and he said that it's United Nations. Uh, United States uh, has to work with uh, um, 
manufacturing the new world order, preparing ground for what's to come. And that's the multilateral system. That's uh, where a, a repurposed United Nations with more power. So that's what he said. I mean, and he was very influential in in the, in the wars that came in the, the early two thousands. So, and if you and if you go in to read the BRICS reports, they say it as well. And they support the Agenda 2030. They support the the new uh, international uh, or the new uh, um, the new uh, fourth industrial revolution. They endorse it, and I mean it was China that uh, uh, at the same year in 2016 that. Klaus Schwab introduced these ideas. They took it uh, in their arms uh, at the meeting in China at the G20. So, I mean, they're working with it. Yeah, and no. uh, it's so obvious. So uh, the new system will come after this war uh, and uh, our common agenda and uh, summit of the future is a, is a big part of this. Yeah, and I real I recently discovered that for the past fourteen years, um, there's been a summer Davos in China, a West yeah. China, and mm -hmm. some people just don't want to. I think it goes back to what you said earlier that they were looking for an escape hatch from the Great Reset, looking to the East, uh, and it's just really difficult to fathom that no, there, there's no escape hatch, <laughs> there's no no escape, nowhere to run. It's like Patrick McGuhan in the Prisoner. Um, and I think he's even alluded to some of this stuff. And I love that series from the 70s. But um, um, you've said, you know, any thoughts on how successful you think they are? And I, I've heard you say in a talk that you've said you believe they will fail. Truth will uh, prevail. So thoughts on how advanced uh, they are. And uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Truth will prevail. I, I, I mean, uh, I said it at the conference. I was at um, that uh, it's like a, a natural, natural law. It just uh, and the, the truth bites them in the heels. Uh, they have all the 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 power, all the 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 money and everything. They have had foresight. They uh, they have so much, and and they have worked so long with it. But. Uh, uh, they don't have the truth. They, they work with lies. We work with deception. Uh, and, uh, and we know from history, <laughs> it doesn't work. And I think it's, a, uh, I think the, the, the history in, in the Bible uh, is an example of this with, uh, the, uh, with the Tower of Babel. I don't think it's. I mean, I think it's happens uh, uh, for quite a times. It's uh, the Tower of Babel is. Uh, I mean, it, it's uh, uh, it's wisdom that we can't do these things. When we try to do it, it will uh, uh, it will collapse. It's just you, you can't uh, you can't beat it. I mean, and it's with our uh, ideas of uh, technocracy and transhumanism. I mean, it's its idea to to create a perfect system and to to beat death, uh, to to uh, 
to think that we can uh, live forever. And I mean, it, it just it doesn't work like that. So, so, and, and that's the, that's the hubris. But of course, I think they will fail. Uh, but, uh, it could be nasty before they do it. So it's a, uh, it's very important that, uh, we, uh, that had woken up start to cooperate and, uh, really get other people to understand this so that we can stop it before we have new concentration camps. Yeah, I, I see it yeah. as you do. And my concern has been trying to survive through this nasty phase, however long it is, whenever yeah. it is, whether it's in my time or my children's time. And so, um, you know, any thoughts as to, you know, what do we do? Just continue resisting what are some of the best ways and um you know do you find value as well and in, in purchasing some off-grid farmland uh just in case so any thoughts for, for for people on uh what to do well we we have to 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 think about alternatives that's one thing and and we have to to start to to build networks between people that are uh, awake and and have skills because one thing uh many people they, they are like oh i'm going to to buy this place uh, out uh, in the nowhere and uh and i will uh, do everything myself farm the land and uh, and i don't think that's the best uh best thing to do i think it's important to that we cooperate with each other because i mean uh, we are good at uh, different things, and uh, that is how and how we have survived before. It's uh, with uh, cooperating uh, with Charvin to to uh, to survive. So, so I, I think that's uh, an important thing to, thing to do to to just. And I think that is also natural. <laughs> it happens. Uh, I mean, like 10 years ago, I didn't have that many people to talk about of these things. I was thinking about maybe I should move out in the woods or something, of course. Uh, but, uh, but eventually more and more people and, and you, you find your real friends in this. So, and, uh, real friends help each other. So, so I think, uh, uh, that is the, the good thing with this. I have had some uh, questions, uh, especially during the, the pandemic, about uh, what do you think about these times? And uh, I said, well, it's the worst time I have experienced, but also the best time. Because I found so many good people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. The, the quote that it was the best of times it was the worst of uh times and yeah well i mean what you're saying at this juncture seems to be the common denominator of what many of my guests say and myself coming to this conclusion that yeah. community uh a network is number one you cannot do anything by yourself you have to have some numbers around you where you are yeah. uh at least in the you know for, for digital virtual world is great but physical is also very um it's better. Yeah, better. <laughs> it's, actually. it's better. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm getting, I'm, I'm going to a number of conferences, so I'm actually getting to meet uh, some of my past uh, podcast guests, which is pretty cool. And there's a huge difference between witnessing a conference in person versus online. Yeah. Huge difference. And but let me ask you, have you written a doom metal song yet for Klaus? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that I have a, have a song called uh, the Georgia Guidestones, Georgia Guidestones Evolution. Uh, and I have a sample with uh, Klaus Schwab in, in the middle of that song. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so, so, so you have uh, any final... Yeah, yeah and, and I, 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 have a, I have an idea for a song about him uh, as well, a new song. <laughs> so, uh, you, of you, course. You, <laughs> you need to think, for, think of a good music video. Um, uh, any final thought uh, for us? Any final thought? Um, well, I, I think things are... Um, uh, it, it's very easy to 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 just um, to to uh, watch this world and and think that uh, it's just doom and uh, <laughs> but I but I actually think that uh, we have a uh, some uh, bright time ahead of us. We just have to beat this stupidity. So. So there we go. We've got a white pill. So for listeners yeah. out there that complain about too many black pills, throwing white white pills at you. And uh, I'm going to be getting uh, your books and looking. I'm not too much doom metal, but I'll check out some of your music. But your books, definitely, I'll be purchasing. Uh, well, where's the best place? Um, uh, you, all of the links are in the description. But um, Jacob Nordengard.se, what are your latest uh, projects and, and books and where can people find them? Yes, I mean it's just uh, that web page. You you can find uh, all the links uh, there. And uh, to my, I have a, a Rockefeller controlling the game. Uh, it's in English. Uh, you can purchase uh, as a book, real book, physical book, and uh, I also have my records, of course. And uh, and I have a YouTube channel. You can uh, listen to some of my uh, interviews and uh, some of the lectures that I've done in English. Uh, so uh, I have um, and I have a Substack, and, and uh, that's a way to support me as well. To to uh, uh, for a su subscription. So so I so I write I try to write a whole lot of, about these things, and uh, and I will uh, hopefully this year uh, have uh, a global code uh That's my. Uh, for a book I wrote about the pandemic and uh, the digital world brain, uh, my latest book, uh, hopefully this year in English as well. I look forward to those uh, books. And I also, again, I think you approach some of this stuff from a unique angle, from a European perspective. And I think it's necessary because you've got the American analysts that miss some things that folks like yourself kind of add uh, un unique uh, flavor to all of this. So thank you, Jacob, for being on Geopolitics and Empire. Yeah, thanks a lot. But you invited me. <laughs> <laughs>